Good morning, everyone. Welcome to church. So glad to see you here today. We read this week in our small group out of Proverbs 4, and it says, But the path of the just is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter into the perfect day. But the way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. We're going to sing about salvation this morning, how the Lord called us out of the darkness and into his marvelous light. And I am so thankful today that our paths are going to go brighter and brighter until he comes back for his bride. Amen. Let's sing that today. Come on. I need a rescue. 
like my sinless head, but chains break out the weight of your glory. I needed shelter, I was an orphan. Now you call me a citizen of hell. When I was broken, you were my healing. Now your love is the air that I'm breathing. I have a future, my eyes are open. Cause when you call my name, I ran out of that breath. Out of the darkness, into your glorious day. out of Psalm 23 this morning and it says the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want he makes me to lie down in green pastures he leads me beside the still waters he and he alone restores my soul he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake yea though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil for you are with me your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. Surely the goodness and mercy of the Lord will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I want us to sing that this morning with all of our hearts that the Lord's goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives and we don't have to worry we don't have to walk in fear all we have to do is trust in him as he leads us and let him lead us wherever we need to go amen let's praise him today there's a table that you
Father, we do get still in your presence today, and we thank you, Lord, just like Pastor Kevin's been preaching. We pray open our eyes, Lord, so that we can see the horses and chariots of fire all around us, Father, your protection, Father. We thank you that your word says your favor surrounds us like a shield, Father, and we praise you today for your goodness, for your faithfulness, Father. We say that we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, and surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives. In Jesus' name, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise for his faithfulness. You may be seated this morning. Welcome. Good morning. Well, worship team, thank you for that powerful, powerful message.
message in song. How wonderful this morning. So good to see you. Just a couple of announcements. First of all, our youth will be meeting here on campus this evening, 5 to 7. And so youth, we encourage you to be here. Pastor Justin is going to have a powerful word for you. And then we're going to have a time of fellowship. We'll be having pizza tonight at youth. So make sure that you are here, all the youth from 5 to 7. And then we we'll also want to let you know that two weeks from today, January 30th, we're going to be having a new members class led by Pastor Josh over in the House of Prayer from 5 to 7 that Sunday evening, two weeks from today. We have a sign-up sheet at the guest services desk. If you would like to be a part of that new members class, please sign up at the guest services desk. You may be new to the church or you may have been here a while and just want some more information on becoming a member here in Eagle Heights Church. This would be the class for you, so make sure that you get signed up at the guest services desk today and then the following Sunday February 6th is going to be our count me in Sunday and that Sunday morning will be we'll be giving you the opportunity to sign up for all of our volunteer opportunities and service teams for 2022 our volunteer schedule and calendar for um, the year runs from March to March and so this will be giving us time to get all of our schedules out by March and so make sure that you are here on Count Me In Sunday, February 6th as well. Our missions offering focus today we're going to be focusing this year as I've told you on the lost on the children, on the elderly and today we're going to be focusing on the unborn children. Today is Sanctity of Life Sunday uh, the third Sunday in January. President Ronald Reagan said this is going to be, we're going to as a church as churches across America, as individuals, we're going to honor, honor the sanctity of life it coincides with the Roe versus Wade decision on, in January of 1973. And he said, we're going to take this time, the third Sunday in January, to celebrate God-given life, to commemorate those lives that were lost to abortion. And in almost this 50-year span, it's been 62 million abortions performed in the United States, just over a million a year when you average it out for that time. And then we're also going to commit to protect the unborn at every stage of life. We're at a unique time in the history in the United States because our Supreme Court recently in December heard arguments to overturn Roe versus Wade and we will be delivering a decision expected sometime this summer and they have given us hope and indication that it may be overturned and we're praying and believing for that to happen but until abortion is no longer available and an option in the United States we're going to stand for the unborn and so today we'll be giving to our local crisis pregnancy centers there's two in the local area and we're a unique area because we're a college town and we service a lot of those college-age girls that find themselves 
in a situation where either they're going to abort a baby or choose life. And as they go to these crisis pregnancy centers and see their child on an ultrasound, many times they change their minds. And so we support our local crisis pregnancy centers as they encourage these young ladies to choose life. We're also going to be giving an offering to the Louisiana Family Forum as they have been pro-life supporters in Louisiana for years and years and years and made a difference in our state. We'll also be giving to a couple national ministries as well. So we're going to give on every level, local, state, and nationally today to, to protect the unborn. And so ushers, you come at this time to receive our morning missions offering on Sanctity of Life Sunday as we support the unborn. Let's stand, bring our offering forward, greet one another as you come forward.
good to see you in the house of the Lord. This is the day the Lord has made, and I will and be glad in it. I've got to tell myself that because I'm real cold. Amen. Some of you guys love all this, don't you? I don't like it too much. I'd rather swelter in the heat. Amen. That's why I live here. South Louisiana. Turn up the humidity. Turn up the heat. I'm fine. Amen. Break a sweat. All the better. I pray that you've come this morning to hear the Word of God. I can't express to you, I know as a pastor I'm supposed to say this, I know as a preacher I'm supposed to say this, but I'm telling you, these words that we're preaching now are so, so, so necessary for you to live a blessed, overcoming life, and I'm praying that you are recognizing that. I'm praying you're opening opening up your heart. I'm praying you're asking the Lord to give you ears to hear and a heart to understand and and eyes to see as we're preaching. What do we see? What do we see? What do we see about myself? What do I see about the world around me? How do I see God? How important it is what we see. You know, we talked about last week, and I'm just going to read this, and I'm just going to give you a little recap for a moment here. Numbers 13, there we saw the giants... And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. We saw them. We saw us. We lost the, the ability to overcome those giants. And so we became in their sight and we were defeated because of what we saw. You can only be what you see. You can only be what you see. And I can only see what I believe through the eyes of faith. And we look back at Hebrews 3 as God is describing the situation, and he said, these are people who always go astray in their hearts, and they have not known my ways. And so my heart's cry for you and for me is that we would position ourselves like Moses did back there in Exodus 33, 34, and he said, Lord, you know, I've seen people who didn't make it. And I know we're stiff-necked, and I know I don't know what I'm doing as a leader. And Lord, and so now show me your ways, God, that we may walk this out and walk a journey, Lord, that can be blessed by you. And so my prayer is that something inside of you today would say, Lord, show me now your ways. Show me how to do life. Show me how to be a believer. Show me what it's really like And not just do church the way we want to do church. And how many of you would say today and join with me in prayer and saying, Lord, show me now your ways. And so, Father, we come before you today as your people, Lord, and we admit to you right now, Lord, we are fools, every one of us. Apart from your wisdom being manifested in our life, we don't know what we're doing. Somebody say amen. We don't know what we're doing. We don't know how to overcome. We're not stronger than the devil, so you got to deliver us from the evil one. We don't have enough understanding and wisdom to, to, to stay away from being tempted. So, Lord, deliver us from temptation. We need your help today. Give us this day our daily bread, our sustenance, and everything we need from your hand to be an overcomer and to bring glory to you in our lives. And all God's people said Amen. I'm already out of breath. Amen. And so we looked at Elisha as well, and we sang about it today that 
Lord, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you, and the enemy is closing in, and the preacher boy says, and all he can see is this, the giants, the, the opposition in his life. That's all he could see is the things that were overwhelming him. And he says, he says alas, master, what are we going to do? He, see, he, ha- he has a fear vision. And it's propelling him in his emotions. He's being moved by this like we all are. But the, but the man of God, the man who was connected in the spirit realm said, listen, don't, 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 don't get caught up in what you're seeing and feeling. Those, those that are with us are more than are with them. Lord, open his eyes. He prayed, and they're there around Elisha. They're around the spirit man. They're around those who are walking in the spirit was the strength and power and anointing of God. And I want to say this about this, this situation just imagine if there was no one spiritual in the scene, if there was no one walking in the spirit in the situation, what would the reality have taken on? What, 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 what were the facts at that point going to be? Were they going to overcome like they did? No, I, didn't, I haven't told you the rest of the story. I think Josh, Pastor Josh, Pastor Josh, and Pastor Justin are going to talk to you about walking in the Spirit and how to stir up my spirit man and, and how to strengthen myself in the Spirit over the next couple of weeks. And they're going to talk about some of these things. But I want you to understand this, this situation. Galatians 6.1 says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in a trespass, brethren, if there's somebody in your midst, somebody in your family, somebody in your church, somebody around you who is overtaken in a trespass, you who are, you who are, you who are, you who are, restore such a one. In a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. And my question to you is, you know, when someone is overtaken a trespass, what if there's nobody spiritual in the room? What if somebody in your family is overtaken by trespass and there's no one spiritual in the house? The answer to that is there's no restoration. There's no recovery. The reality is a fleshly demonic inspired plan for somebody's life if there's nobody spiritual in the room how many of you get that today Elisha had to be there wait a minute let me pray for you let's turn this around let's change the atmosphere and let's see what heaven has to say about the situation we learn from Jeremiah that when I allow myself to become fearful by by what I see I lose my power to overcome Jeremiah 1.17, do not be dismayed and break down at the sight of their faces that the opposition, the rejection, lest I confound you before them and permit you to be overcome. He couldn't overcome because he was, he was, he was allowing their faces to bring fear to his life and rejection and to paint a picture for him of who he was rather than understanding who God said he was. That's why in Nehemiah's day, as they sought to rebuild the walls and bring restoration and revival to the temple of God, Nehemiah had to navigate through the lies of Tobiah and Sambalat because he recognized that what they were trying to do is make us afraid. 
And he recognized that if he yielded to fear, he would sin and yield to the power of the enemy and the grace to rebuild would end. And so he said, I am doing a great work. Thank God for people with discernment. I am doing a great work so I cannot come down and negotiate anything with you. I'm living by heaven's vision of my life. We closed out last week's service by Zechariah chapter 3. And I want to read this today. This is going to be our transition. I feel like the Lord wants me to stir this up. By the way, this is how, this is how we meditate on the Word of God and the truths of God word, God's Word and get it inside of us so that we can live out of that reality. Thy Word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against thee. We have the mentality, well, I've heard that before. Yeah, but do you have that word inside of you. We need revelation. And so Zechariah chapter 3, let's begin reading. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest. He was on the rebuild team. He was on the rebuild team for the temple. Him and Zerubbabel, if you keep reading in Zechariah. And so he's on the, he's on the restoration committee. He is going to rebuild this thing. He is seeing things not what they need to be, like Nehemiah seeing the walls torn down. And by the way, some of us, I pray all of us can see the walls torn down around us. We're not trying to be negative. It's just a reality, and we need a restoration revival, amen, a reawakening in America and its churches. Can I get an amen right there? And he's commissioned you and I to be on the restoration team and the rebuild committee. And so Satan doesn't like restoration. He doesn't like rebuilding. He doesn't like revival. He doesn't like re-anything if you're going to get back to God's ways in your life. So he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord. Many commentators believe this is the pre-incarnate Christ, the Messiah. I don't know. No matter what, he is the representative on that, <clears throat> in that moment for God. The angel of the Lord and Satan. <laughs> There's two people standing there. There's Joshua standing there and Satan standing at his right hand to oppose him. I want to ask you a question. How does Satan oppose you in your life? He is our adversary. 1 Peter 5, 8. What does he do? <laughs> Be sober, be vigilant, be, be vigilant, because your adversary walketh around about like a roaring lion seeking whom. What is he doing anyway? Does he put you in a headlock and give you a couple punches in the face? I mean, what is? How does Satan oppose us? Through what? Lies. Through getting you to see, trying to get you to see something that is not real to create a false reality for you. He gets you through lies and accusations. He is the accuser of the brethren. When he finally gets cast down, Revelation says, and the the accuser of the brethren has been cast down who accused him before the throne of God day and night. Listen to me. If that's not revelation to you, that there is someone opposing you and what he's doing, he's accusing you in your heart morning and night day after day until he's thrown in the lake of fire please understand that reality and the Lord said to Satan the Lord rebuke you Satan 
the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments. Was there anything there that Satan could point to and say he's not worthy of being your rebuilder? He doesn't measure up. He's not pure enough. He's not holy enough. He's not righteous enough. Yes, he's standing there. And the reality is, yes, there's things wrong in his life. Just like there's things wrong in your life, in my life. We are not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. He was standing there clothed with filthy garments and was standing before the angel. And he answered and spoke to those who stood before him saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And he said to him, See, I have removed your iniquity from you, and I will clothe you with rich robes. Now, I don't believe this is his initial coming into faith toward God. I think he's already the high priest. He's already, you know, pursued God in his life. A little different back then. Their sin was atoned for by the blood, amen, of sacrifices, the day of atonement, and so forth and so on. And those people humbled themselves, and they, you know, the high priest put the hands on the goat and the blood and blah, 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 and they're, the, the, the scapegoat is ran, and the sins are taken away. But the sins, I mean, the, 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 the sins could never be taken away by the blood of an animal. This was all a picture of Jesus Christ. They look forward to the cross, and we look back at the cross. I think he's already walking in faith with God. But how many of you know, even though we're saved, every now and then we get our clothes a little dirty? Somebody say amen louder than that. Every now and then I go places, and I get my feet a little dirty. And I get my, little, my heart a little dirty. I get my little hands. Be, be careful, little hands. Come on, what you do? Be careful, little feet, where you go. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. And every now and then, we pick up a little dust on the trail. It just happens. It just happens. And so he is, Satan is using these things to say he is not worthy of being on the rebuild committee. Let me put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head. They put the clothes on him. And the angel of the Lord stood by. And the angel of the Lord admonished Joshua, saying, Now Jesus turns to him and says, Now listen to me. You don't just keep sinning that grace may abound. It doesn't work that way. In fact, keep yourself unspotted from the world. Avoid every appearance of evil. Touch not the unclean thing. Live, listen, if you will walk in my ways, walk in my ways, and if you will keep my command, then you shall also be judge of my house and likewise have charge, charge over my courts. You will have grace to see my plan worked out in your life. The vision that I've given you, it will become a reality in your life if you walk in my ways and keep yourself in a humble place. And when you mess up, you confess your sins because you know I'm faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all wrongness or unrighteousness. Walk in humility. Walk and pursue peace and holiness in your life. And I will give you places to walk among these who stand here. I will give you Jesus places to walk in. Spiritual warfare in our lives 
When's the last time Satan accused you? When's the last time Satan attacked you? When's the last time Satan lied to you? I'm going to be honest with you. If I sat down and asked you that one-on-one, most of you would say, I'm, I'm, I'm not real sure. And I, occasionally, it'll be something that's so obvious that you'll say, hey, that day right there, that happened. But listen, I want to tell you something. Every day of your life, there's this warfare going on inside of you between the lie and the truth. And if you don't recognize what's happening, you're going to fall prey to the lies of the enemy. Ephesians 6, a final word. Be strong in the Lord. This is our, amen, New Testament spiritual warfare chapter. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand against firm against all the strategies of the devil. Does, does Satan have a strategy against me, a strategy for my life? Absolutely. Every single one of you sitting here today. And by the way, I meant to say this in the beginning. Every single person under the sound of my voice or under preaching anywhere in this world, every one of you can be saved. Amen. And every single one of you can live out God's plan for your life and overcome so that one day Jesus will say to you, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. There's nobody that can't do that. You can all be born again. I can be born again. We can all live in victory because Jesus Christ is our victor and he's our savior. So he says, put on all of God's armor so that you may be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. I want you to stop and listen just for a moment. Selah, listen. We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Why is he saying that? Because that's all I see. That's all I'm dealing with is People! Somebody say people. How many of you know? Amen. People are crazy. How many of you know you're crazy too? In our flesh, we're just crazy people. We're all crazy. We're crazies. And every day you deal with crazies. You're married to one. Amen. You gave birth to one. Amen. We're crazies. And so the Holy Spirit is saying, you, you, you think that's where your battle lies, and that's where you spend all of your attention, but listen to me, that's not where the victory is going to occur. You can spend your life fighting with your wife all you want. You can spend your life, you know, dealing with your neighbor all you want, but until you realize that's not where your battle lies. Our battle is not with flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers, authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. That's where your battle really is. It's over your head. It's in your head. It's all around you. Lies, things in my life that don't propel me toward God. They discourage me. They they cause me to lose faith in God. I, I look and see things that, that, that tend to strip my strength and strip my joy. And I'm just kind of bouncing through life. The great walkout, the great re- resignation, amen, to America. We're crazy. We think quitting our job is going to solve something. It's not. 
We think quitting our marriage is going to solve it. It's not. If somebody else, you're going to marry somebody else or whatever, and you're going to realize your wife wasn't really the problem you were. You can run from everything in this world, but you can't run from yourself and, and your need to overcome the enemy that uses people to pull you down. Boy, that needed a bigger amen right there. Here, here's the main truth today. Don't leave this place without this truth. The spirit realm, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit. Satan is spirit. There's things happening over in the heavenly places up above me. The spirit realm. Joshua, we see into the spirit realm. And Joe, we saw into the spirit realm. The sons of God came to present themselves before. We see the spirit realm in these. The spirit realm needs a willing vessel in this earth to carry out its purposes. I can't say that enough. Listen to me. The spirit realm needs a earthly vessel to carry out its purposes. There's Philip standing by the road. Here comes the eunuch. He's hungry. He's seeking. He needs Jesus. Church ain't helping him. Isn't solving it. Reading his Bible isn't solving it. He needs Jesus in his heart. God sees it. He's ready. Philip, go stand over there by the road, the road that leads to Gaza. Philip doesn't know why he's over there, but all of a sudden, here he comes. The angel said, hey, the Spirit of the Lord said, go to overtake that chariot. Climbs up there, opens his mouth, preaches Jesus. Long story short, why? Why didn't the guy just get saved? Why didn't heaven just do something and let him get saved? Because Jesus needs a, an earthly vessel to open his mouth and preach him. Why this long epic, this saga of Jonah and, you know, the whole deal of, the, you know, he's supposed to go preach to the Ninevites and these storm and whales and all these things are happening. And, you know, he's, God's trying to get his attention, so forth and so on. God, why bring us through all that drama? Why didn't you just say, I don't need you, Jonah? Why do you go through to such lengths? to get Jonah on track so that he'll go and preach to those people because God would say, I need a willing earthly vessel to go and do my bidding in this world. He needs me and you. And Satan does as well. Satan needed a vessel in the garden. Some, some, some aspect of the creation of God, someone or something who would yield itself to Satan so that he could lie through that vessel and get Adam and Eve off track. And, you know, the serpent said, I'll do it. Use me. Use me, Satan. And you know how Satan used that vessel, that serpent, to lie to Adam and Eve and get them to see a different vision than what they had before and create division in that garden. That's why I don't touch snakes. When I see one on the TV, I do this, and I fast forward. I don't want to. Listen, people that hold snakes bother me. People that have pet snakes need to stay away from me. I don't understand you because it's a cursed animal. 
Why is it cursing? Why? Slithering. Uh, just thinking about it. Slithering on its belly because God cursed it because it yielded itself to Satan who needed it to spread his lies. Somebody say amen. amen. I need to kill the Messiah. How am I going to kill the Messiah? I got to find a man. I got to find a vessel. I got to find a man who doesn't get what's going on in this life. His name is Judas. And he's messing around. And he's taking a little bit of money from the treasury. He's just in his flesh. He doesn't get it. He doesn't understand. And he just allows himself to go on in that way. So deceptive was this situation that when Jesus said, some of you, one of you will betray me, they all said, who is it? Is it me? He was playing the role so well. But on that night when Satan goes, okay, I've got him. I'm, I'm going to set the hook. I, this is the night. This is my night in the power of darkness. There at that last supper, the Bible said, Jesus said, the one that dips with me, he is the one. And in that moment, as Judas is fulfilling this role and has played around in his flesh, at, at this moment, the Bible said that Satan filled him or Satan entered him. And Jesus said, what you do, do, out and do go out and do quickly. How do you kill Jesus? How do you want to kill Jesus, Judas? How could you get to that place? I didn't know. I didn't know it was possible. That's something over my head. I could invite to live in my heart and go to places I never thought possible in my life. I didn't get it. I didn't know the ways of God in the spirit realm. That's why the Bible says in 1 John, test every spirit. If I was to ask you today, how many spirits are you testing in your life? You'd say, oh, what test spirits? I don't know. I mean, I, listen, I go to work every day, send my kids off to school every day. I come home. I feed my dog. I make some supper. I stay up a little bit. I eat too late. I belch a lot. And then I go to bed. And I get up and do the whole thing over again. I never test any spirits. I'm telling you, listen to me very carefully, people of God. You better learn to test spirits in your life. 1 John 4, 1, dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God, for there are many false prophets in the world. You know, Jesus said, Jesus said, listen, in the last days, it's going to get worse and worse. False prophets are going to be everywhere. I don't think we truly understand that, honestly. If right now, you turn on the TV, you know, three, one of those upper 300 channels, you know, church channel, whatever, 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 or open up a, you know, news article somewhere, and some guy, you know, over in Montana somewhere, he's claiming that he's the Messiah, he's Jesus, and, you know, everybody needs to follow him. Listen, not even lost people would buy into that. No, listen to me. Think about it. You would turn that guy off. All of us would. Even people that don't know the Lord yet, they go, that guy's wacko. Did you hear about that guy? Jesus isn't talking about that. He really isn't. Jesus is talking about things a lot closer in. Things going on, in the, inside, on the inside of you. Things that have the power to sway you and influence you. 
voices that seem to represent Christ, but they don't. 1 Timothy 4, now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to what? Deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. What's the doctrine of demons? It's not, you know, it's not some, some image conjured up in your mind of me bringing a chicken up here and cutting its head off and passing out black robes, you know, me sprinkling the blood of the chicken all over you, and saying some dark incantations with the lights out, and praying to some devil or something. That is not doctrines of demons. Doctrines of demons are sweet Sweet little nothings that are whispered into your life. Things that seem right, but their design is to lead you away from God's purpose and plan and place in your life. It happens to all of us. It happens to me. It happens to you. It happens to every one of us. And Paul said, you know, even, even the devil transforms himself into an angel of light. No wonder his messengers these false prophets that we're dealing with right now in our life and only going to get worse. They're close in. They're touching you in some way. They're touching your emotions. They're touching your intellect. Every day that you get up, let me tell you how, I, how you know you're yielding to it when you go away from obeying God and loving him and worshiping him and praising him. If you are not, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice. I will obey you. I will abide in your word. Jesus, you're abiding in me. If that's not you, if you're living some distracted, dishuffled life, I'm not talking about because you've got problems. We all have problems. I'm not talking about because you're not tempted, because you're not tempted to think certain things. We're going to talk about temptation at some point. But I'm telling you, in, within the heart of every single individual in this place, there's a warfare going on in you between the truth of God, the true vision of God, and lies that Satan is perpetrating in your life. Come on, revelation. Revelation in your life. And you say, well, you know what? I don't know. I, 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 know, I, know, I know this guy. I think he's possessed. I think he's he got a lot of problems. I think Satan's really taking a hold of his life. Sometimes we tend to think about spiritual warfare like that guy over there going down the street mumbling to himself because his drugs have fried his brain. And man, that guy, devil got a hold of him. You know what the Bible tells me and tells you? That the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. No, 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 no. The whole world, every single individual is lying under the sway of the wicked one until they see the truth and come out from under his influence and start believing and seeing the truth in their life. Every person you know that doesn't know the Lord, they're under the sway of the wicked one. And let me just tell you, there's a lot of people out there when you're, in the, when you're carnal in the church, there's a lot of carnality out there. Carnal people are, are temporarily under the sway of the wicked one doing his bidding. Not good, but true. Get this revelation in your life. One of the most unbelievable things and facts that I see in God's word is the millennium. 
When Satan is bound temporarily for a thousand years, the angels take him, bounds him up, leaves him there. Jesus sets up his kingdom upon the earth. There's, you know, there's just holiness and peace and righteousness all across the world. Amen. I can't wait for the millennium. Amen. Thousand year rule and reign with Christ. Can't wait. The, the, the bells on the horses, amen, will be inscribed with holiness under the Lord. It's an amazing place where Jesus sets up his kingdom. But then it says, but then Satan must be loose for a little while. What's, what's absolutely astonishing to me that in this world, people are being born. People are just living their lives. And as soon as Satan is loose, he begins to lie to so many people in the earth. And all of a sudden, he gets this following of people that are going to go to Jerusalem and encamp around the saints of God and the Lamb of God to destroy them, to attack them, to wage war against them. And I want to know, how in the world did you talk them into that when they see Jesus the Messiah sitting on the throne in Jerusalem? I'm telling you, Satan is a lot more powerful than you think he is in your life. And you better give him credit in that. But then know that Jesus can stomp him under his feet because at that moment, Jesus is going to speak a word and they're all going to be destroyed. How many of you believe God's word? I believe God's word. And I want to tell you, what spirit? What spirit are you allowing to influence you? What spirit or spirits are you allowing to influence you in your life? Good question. Secondly, and, back, and, and by the way, this was my key point. I messed up. That was not it. This was it. <laughs> Second question. And what spirit or spirits are you allowing to use you <laughs> to influence others in your life? Great question. And you know, Peter is one of those guys, I'm telling you, if you'll read his story, it'll help you. It'll help you. It helps me when I read his story and understand the ways of God and how this thing works out and how to do what I need to do and da-da-da-da-da and just understand, okay, that's how this, that's, that, that's the score. Okay, this is how this works. Look at his life. Look at his life. You'll learn a lot. Peter was mightily used of God, right? He wrote, some of the New Testament, he's got letters in there that the Holy Spirit said, hey, I want, you, I want to use you. I want to move upon you and inspire you to write my words into this earth and make it the standard, the Bible. Peter had some glowing moments when he first started out. You remember Jesus came to him and said, hey, who do men say that I am? Some say, some say, some say, but who do you say I am? What do you see? Silence. Peter breaks the silence. I believe thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh didn't teach you that. My heavenly Father, who is spirit, revealed that to you. Good job, Peter. You're seeing in the spirit realm. We see him on the day of Pentecost after some failures, standing up. By what power are you doing this? Then Peter, standing up, filled with the Spirit, proclaimed the message of the Messiah. These men are drunk. They don't know it. 
These men are not drunk. Word of God. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And he is, he is communicating spirit to that crowd. 3,000 souls are getting saved. Awesome. Being used as a willing earthly vessel in the hands of God. But there's some not so stellar moments in the life of Peter as well. And you, you and me both, right? Remember that day he was out on the sea? And Jesus is walking on the water. And Peter says, Lord, if that be you, bid me come to you. And Jesus said, come. Take it up in verse 30. But when he saw, but when he saw, he was looking at Jesus. He was hearing, listen, I see myself walking on this water. Jesus said it. I believe it. I'm an overcomer. Here I go. He's walking on the water. But when he saw the, com- the competing vision, the fear vision, when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified, and he began to lose his ability to overcome. And his anointing to overcome, he began to sing, Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus loves us. He's going to learn. He's going to get it. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him and said, You have so little faith. You know, I'll be honest with you. If I'm in that scene, if I'm in that story, I'm like, if I'm the other guys in the boat, did you see that? Did you see that? Peter was walking on the water. Peter, that was awesome, dude. Jesus giving him high fives. Man, that was incredible. No, there's a different standard here in the kingdom. Nobody's doing any of that. Jesus said, where is your faith? Why? Look at it. Why? I'm trying to find my place. I'm stalling. Why did you doubt me? When the trouble came, why did you take your eyes off of me, my vision, my word, and look and get a different vision? Division was created. Division was created. God can't bless division. He sings, Jesus, help me. I need your mercy. Luke 22, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon. By the way, when Jesus calls Simon, Simon, it's always, uh-oh, bad, something, something bad is going to happen. Your name shall no longer be Simon, which means unstable, 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 unstable. Never know what you're going to do. You're unstable, Peter. You're so prideful. You're so, you know. I'm going to call you Peter, which means rock, piece of the rock. I want you to be stable, Peter. And so here it is at the very end of Jesus' earthly ministry, and he goes back to, hey, Simon, Simon, some instability is fixing to come. Indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. What does that mean? I don't know. But Satan's going to give him a hard, hard time here. He's going to go through an attack. But I have prayed for you. Come on, somebody. But I have prayed for you. Them guys are going to preach this. That your faith should not fail. That you should not let the, the wrong vision overtake you. But God's vision, God's plan, I'm praying for you so that that is carried out in your life. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. If I'm Peter, 
I said, oh, God, tell me how to get through this. Tell me what to do. Satan's going to do what? Sift me as we what? But Peter was a self-made man, callous hand and a callous heart. He knew this ain't no big deal for me. But he said, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. If everybody else forsakes you, not me, Lord, I got this. Then he said, Peter, I'm going to tell you the truth. The rooster shall not crow this day before you deny me three times that you even know me. Less than stellar moment. Jesus is communicating to him the truth of the situation and where he is in his life and where he is in his heart and what's Satan going to do and what's going to happen. And Peter goes, i got another vision. It's my flesh vision. It's my pride vision. I can overcome. I got this, Jesus. Die vision. And when you get into die vision, you always lose your power to overcome as he did. He tried to follow Jesus, but all he could do was follow him afar and to the point where he got to the fire in the courtyard and he denied that he even knew Jesus and the rooster crowed. What about the moment when Jesus said, guys, I got to go to Jerusalem. That's where I'm going to lay down my life for the sins of the world. They're going to arrest me. They're going to take me. They're going to crucify me, and I'm going to rise again on the third day. And Peter would have none of it. He said, you know what, Jesus? I don't see that plan. That's not what I'm seeing here, Jesus. I see something else. We've got to save you. We're not going to Jerusalem. But, but he turned, and he said to Peter, other translations, he rebuked Peter, and he said what? Get behind me. Not even Simon. Get behind me, Satan. You are, an, you are an offense to me. I've got a vision of what my father wants me to do, and it's hard. I don't want to be separated. If this cup can pass from me, he said to the father, Lord, any way out of this thing, Jesus is burdened over what he's about to do. And all of a sudden, here comes this guy he says, you don't have to do that. Peter recognized, or Jesus recognized what was happening. Not my, my battle is not with this guy that loves me. He, he means well. He's not trying to hurt me. But I have to know where that voice is coming from. I have to deal with this division is being created. And so Jesus says, listen, I know what's influencing you. Get thee behind me, Satan. You are not mindful of the things of God. All you can see, Peter, is what men see, division. Jesus went to the cross. Jesus died. Jesus ascended. He was raised. He ascended. Peter on down here in the book of Acts. God uses Peter again as an earthen vessel and going to carry the spirit and the word of God. And he has this vision. Remember, the sheet let down the unclean animals and so forth and so on, which is a picture of unclean men. They were, the, the Gentiles were unclean. We don't have anything to do with them. Listen, Peter, rise and eat, partake of this. Oh, I've never touched anything unclean in my life. What I've cleansed, thou shalt not call common. And the revelation came to him when the 
the Gentiles knock at his door, and all of a sudden, he realizes that Jesus is about to bring the gospel to the Gentiles, those people who at, to that point were called unclean. He's got a vision of this. He sees what God's heart and God's will is concerning these unclean people. And he's walking in that. But something happened. He's eating with the Gentiles. You know, prior to that point, they didn't eat. They didn't have anything to do with them. He's eating with the Gentiles. And all of a sudden, some guys from Jerusalem came down who didn't have that vision. And they were looking down on Peter. And why are you eating with these people? And why are you doing this, Peter? And you know, you shouldn't be doing this, Peter. And all of a sudden, Peter got in fear. Fear of rejection. Fear of what people would say about him. See, he's still got that nature. And so he goes, you know what? I'm going to eat with these guys, but when these guys show up, I'm going to go, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not going to eat with these guys. And I'm sure these guys were hurt. As Peter's apostle, you, what, what, dude, you're supposed to be, what happened here? All of a sudden, d- division is created. And when, when, listen, when you get in divide, d- divide, division, you get rebuked in God's word. And so in Galatians 2, we see the apostle Paul stepping in. But when Peter came to Antioch, I had to do what? I had to oppose him to his face. I had to rebuke him to his face. But what he did was very wrong. I want you to understand the same situation that was occurring with Joshua the high priest. There's Jesus. There's Satan opposing him. They're singing in the spirit realm. And the Lord says, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The exact same thing is going on in that moment when Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get thee behind me, Satan. There's a, there's a flesh and bone body in front of me, but that's not what's really happening. The Lord said, Satan, I rebuke you. That's what Paul is doing. This is not God's vision. I rebuke you. There were moments in time when Peter allowed his flesh to be used by Satan to create division, and so he got rebuked, stopped in his tracks, given a chance to repent and to change his mind and to get the right vision in his heart. Let me tell you how you know truth from error and spirit-filled people from carnal people. Peter had no carnal reaction. When Jesus rebuked him, he didn't say, well, Jesus, you know, I was just trying to help you. Jesus, you know, I've I've forsaken everything to follow you. Jesus, how how could you speak to me that way? I mean, to tell you, everybody's kind of thinking that. It ain't just me. It's the language of the lukewarm. People don't get it in our lives. Paul, listen, let me tell you something. Listen, Listen to me, Paul. You know, you used to be Saul, remember? Remember your story? And I want to tell you, I, 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 you, you, you were born out of, out of due time, but I want to tell you, I was born there. And Jesus handpicked me. Do you get that? Three years, 365, 24-7, I was with Jesus. Do you get that? Don't you ever embarrass me ever as long as you live like that again. You never see that. Because Peter recognized this is not flesh and blood rebuking me. This is Jesus Christ rebuking me, trying to help me 
and keep me on the right path. To be rebuked is God's goodness, not his severity, leading you to repentance. Revelation 19, as many as I love, I... Say it loud. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and do what? Repent. Come on. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and, he, and, and dine with him and he with me. Yeah, let me tell you what. Let me tell you. This is kind of deep, but it's true. Listen to me. When you spiritually rebuke, when Jesus spiritually rebuked Peter, or when Paul spiritually rebuked Peter, what happens is he is ridding the situation and ridding the person of demonic influence and control so that they are left to make a coherent decision on whether or not they're going to sow to their flesh or sow to the Spirit. Did anybody get that? Did one person understand what I just said? I'm going to get Satan out of the air and off of your life so that you now, you still got to humble yourself and you still got to make a decision, but now you're not being driven and controlled by demonic spirits. Amen. And now you can make a decision, a coherent decision as to whether you're going to sow the flesh or sow the spirit in your life. So Peter blew it. He failed miserably. You know that, you know that, that night he's in the garden. He goes, he's, he's at the courtyard. He denies that he knows Jesus. The rooster starts preaching. Truth comes. He remembers the word. Oh, my God, I've blown it. Jesus looks at him. Remember me, Peter. Remember you got your eyes off me. Remember me, Peter. And the Bible said that Peter went out and wept bitterly. If you ever watched Jesus of Nazareth, this, it, it, catch, it captures this scene so good. And the guy playing Peter, he's in this room by himself. It's raining outside. You see the rain drizzling down. And he goes, oh, my God, and slams himself against the door. My Lord, my God. Oh, he's hurting. He's hurting big time. Shame is taking a hold of his life. Storms are raging within. Put yourself in his shoes. You've been there. Accusations are pouring over him like the raging sea. Now he's at a crossroads. It's decision time. The easiest thing to do in your, in your flesh, listen to me very careful, you don't know that the easiest thing to do is just go on in the hurt, to go on in the shame. To go on, you know, I'm messed up, it's over with. It's the easiest thing to do. To push the abort button. That vision, over with. Abort mission. Delete dream. That's not true of me anymore. I want you to feel the, the pain that was raging inside of this man because if you've never been there, you will be there. Trust me. Thank God Jesus prayed for him because there's some grace here. 
And he said, what do I see? What do I see about me? What do I see about my life? What do I see about my future? What vision of me will I believe? He begins to think, you know, I shocked me. I surprised me. I disappointed me. But Jesus already knew I was going to do that. He told me so. And Jesus said he was going to pray for me. I forgot about that. Surely Jesus' prayers in my life mean something to heaven. And Jesus gave me vision of coming out of this. You're going to fail. You're going to deny. But when you are converted, I'm not going to believe that vision, though it's easier. I'm going to press in. I'm going to get the Spirit, and I'm going to hear Jesus. And he's seeing himself on that water, walking on the water and falling and seeing the storm, this and that, and getting his eyes off Jesus. And he says, but Jesus said, come. Jesus said, come. And I'm telling you, hell or high water, I'm going to go to Jesus, and I'm going to believe he's going to lift me. He's going to forgive me. He's going to wash me. And you know what? My clothes are dirty right now, but I rebuke you, Satan. I will live under God's vision in my life, and I will live the truth. Somebody say amen. 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 You saw that moment when Jesus, he's, he's got to walk it out now. Listen, things in the spirit realm aren't, aren't snap your finger. Here I go, I got it. It ain't like that. Trust me. It ain't like that. You got to walk it out. You got to take hold of that vision. You got to walk it out. You got to hang that picture on your heart and you got to live it. And every day that anything that, uh, you know, exalts itself above that picture, you go, no, I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. Yes, I'm guilty, but Jesus' blood is speaking greater things in my guilt. Jesus has a plan for my life. He's praying for me. He said, come to me, and I'm coming. And so they don't know what to do themselves, and Peter goes, hey, hey, let's go fishing. (laughs) Let's go fishing. You know, they did. They went out there fishing. They didn't know what else to do with themselves, and there was a boat of failures out there. There was a, a boat filled with failures out there. You recognize that? Because when Peter said, I'll never, and so said they all. But in that garden, they did this, like an old Looney Tunes cartoon, Under there, under there, yeah, yeah, they all ran away. Boat filled with failures out there. But it was a boat filled with chosen men and humble men and broken men. Come on, somebody. Children, have you caught anything? Have you have any, do you have anything? Have you have any fish, anything for breakfast? Guys, who is that? Throw your net over on the other side. Great catch. All at once. It's Jesus. Peter didn't say, you know what? I'm like, oh, that's Jesus. I'm too embarrassed. There's no way I'm going to. No, 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 no. Guys, let's go. Hey, we don't know you. Hey, we're just, hey, see you later. I'm going to avoid him at all costs. No. Not spirit-filled people. He couldn't wait. For them to take the time to roar him, row him to shore. He jumped out of the boat. 
I don't know if he was naked or he's in his fruit of the looms. I don't know. It's kind of unclear there, but he was naked. He put his clothes on. And he jumped in the boat and he started swimming back to Jesus. Come on, somebody. And Jesus is about to lift his head. Come on, somebody, and get him back on track in his life. He don't know what to say. He just knows he needs Jesus. Amen. You know what Jesus said? Peter, do you what? Where's your vision right now? What are you seeing? You're seeing the storms? You're seeing the opposition? Are you seeing the shame and the guilt and the failures of your life? What are you seeing, Peter? Do you love me? Where is your focus, Peter? Get your eyes back on me. Get back. Get your eyes back on the body. Feed my sheep three times, symbolizing delete. Delete accusation, delete accusation, delete accusation. That's over with, Peter. Get your eyes on me. Come on, somebody. I pray you're getting this word today. Peter, and you, and me, and all God's children will be chastened. If you're without chasing, you're illegitimate, not a son. Corrected, rebuked, and our development and our growing into maturity. And yet Jesus was involved throughout Peter's journey, and he's going to be involved throughout your journey. Hebrews 10, 14, just a little short verse, but how impactful and powerful it is. For by one offering, Jesus has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. <laughs> what does that mean? When Jesus accepted me and made me his own, he perfected me in my position in him. And yet, I still got a lot of cleaning up to do in this life. But he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Peter was being sanctified, but he was already chosen and accepted by Jesus. Amen. That's why Paul said, not that I've already attained, or I'm, I'm, I'm perfected. This is the end of his life. I'm not there yet, and you're never going to get there yet. You're never. If the trumpet of God sounds, you know, at some point, up into that, you hear the first note, you're going to be having stuff in your life that needs to be dealt with. Amen or not? And I am as well. So here's our question. What spirit's influencing you? How do you see your failures? When you take the place of Peter, how do you see yourself? As you look at your life, as you walk this thing out, how do you see yourself? And here's a real good question. Is it possible there are moments in time when you yield to the wrong spirit in your life and you need to repent? Come on. Well, no, not me. I got this thing working out. No, 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 no. If, 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 if Satan can use Peter, how much, he, can, he can use you. Right? That's what I see. I see that I, I have the capability of doing the wrong thing. I have the capability of yielding the wrong spirit. But I'm going to tell you, Jesus for me. And when I take a misstep, he's going to help me. If I get my butt whipped, that's okay. It doesn't matter. If I get embarrassed, it don't matter. All I know is I just want to follow Jesus in my life. How do you see yourself in your failures? And how do you see others in their failures? What spirit is 
using you in the life of others. Somebody in that courtyard, they were just kind of on the fence about Jesus, and they saw Peter do that, and they go, you know what? That dude's a devil too, just like Judas. He needs to go hang himself too. He, he not, he's, he's, oh, hey. <laughs> but if they would have gotten into that and, and confronted Peter or brought accusation against Peter, guess what? They would have been fighting for the enemy, being used by the enemy because Jesus knew what he was doing. He was going to help him. He was going to protect him. So beware of how you treat people around you in the midst of their failure. Because as soon as you say, well, you know, guess what? If anyone thinks he stands, beware. I want to say this to you as we close out. Don't get caught up in a lie in your life. Because that lie will become your reality. And that truth may not be manifested in your life until you stand before Jesus and Jesus said, many will come to me in that day and say, Lord, Lord, and this and that. And we had a story. We ate in our streets. You talked in our streets. We sat down with you. What, 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 what do you mean? You never knew me. What happened to these people? They got caught up in a lie. Revelation 22, blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. Praise God. That's where I'm going. How about you? Raise your hand. But outside, those who did not make it in are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and whoever loves and practices a lie. The NLT says all who love to live a lie. And to, to right now, as, as, as you're hearing that, you're thinking, well, that, I know a liar. I know him, yeah. The guy didn't show up work, to work the other day. And he had all this big story, but yet somebody saw him shopping at Walmart. And when he was confronted, he said, no, that wasn't me. No, I, I was homesick. I, I really was. And he was like, liar. That's not what Jesus is talking about at all. Well, it includes that. More than anything, it's people that said it's easier just to stay in the lie. Rather than confront myself Rather than acknowledging my failures, rather than just being vulnerable and stripping my fig leaves away, trying to hear the voice of God as opposed to these voices that are pounding in my brain, you're no good, God doesn't love you, it's just easier to stay in the lie and practice it my whole life. That's what Jesus is talking about, or the words talking about. You believed the wrong thing in your life and you never got out of it. You got in the wrong vision. You saw the wrong thing and you lived your whole life and all of a sudden, bam, reality. Revelation 21, I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes, that's me and you, shall inherit all things. I will be his God. He shall be my son. But the cowardly and the unbelieving and those people who were afraid they knew what to do, but they were afraid to do it. The unbelieving, it was just too good to be true. So right alongside the murderers and the evil and all the things that you think is evil are the cowardly the unbelievable, uh, and unbelieving. And all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire, which burns with, with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. 
I won't be honest with you. Listen to me. There's going to be a lot of sad stories at the great white throne judgment. I'm going to tell you, your sad story doesn't excuse you from needing to believe God in your life. And I've seen people fall away from the Lord. And I just, I tell people, you say, you know what? If you knew his story, though, my God, listen to me. If he, I don't know where I'd be if I'd have went through all that and this and that and so forth and so on. Never had any encouragement. Never been rejected his whole life. He's battling. He's struggling. He's battling. He's struggling. But let me tell you something. You can have sympathy for one another. But when you stand before the great white throne judgment, if you didn't just, you know what? The whole world has said this, and everything inside of me is saying this, but Jesus, I'm going to believe you anyway. There's going to be some sad stories. There's going to be some convincing stories there at the great white throne judgment. In fact, you don't get to say anything, but in your head, you'll have, you know what? Well, Jesus, you never got out of the lie in your life. Let's stand to our feet. This is an involved message. I get it. I'm telling you, if, if, if there's no revelation of what I'm saying to you today, you listen to this message a thousand times if you need to until you get a hold of it. And these, these last four messages, get a hold of these things in your life. Satan is trying to lie to you about you. He's trying to lie to you about others. He's trying to lie to you about God. And you better know what he's up to, and you better know how to discern that, and you better know how to, you know, that's not the vision. This is the vision in my life. Don't be a dog. Don't be a swine in your life. What do you mean? What, what, dog? Did, did you just call me a dog? No, I actually called you a swine. No. <laughs> you think a dog or a swine is that individual? He's just so hard and just whatever. No matter, he just, he's hard. He won't break. Whatever, he's hard. Let me tell you just a dog and a swine. A dog and a swine is just that person who has no conception or understanding of the truth of God's word and revelation in his life. He just doesn't get it. He can't, he can't taste it. He has no discretion in his life. I pray for you now. God, no dogs, no swine, not me, not any of us, my God. Team, come on up. I'm telling you, Jesus is fighting for every one of you. He's fighting for everybody that you know. 1 John 5, if anyone sees a brother sinning a sin which does not lead to death, he will ask and he will give him life for those who commit sin leading to death. That's an amazing thing. Pastor Josh, I want you to reiterate that. As we talk about prayer. And I see you, I see you sinning, I see you going the wrong direction. Jesus saw Peter going the wrong direction. He prayed, and life and grace and covering was brought into his life that carried him through even that failure until he got on that on the other side. Our prayers can bring life, the life of God. But you know what it, keeps, what it goes on to say? There is sin leading to death. There is sin leading to death. I do not say that he should pray about that. I didn't say that Jesus said it. Jesus said there's, there's a time and point in people's life where they just keep on, they 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 keep on. You, you, you correct, you chase, and you rebuke, you do everything you know to do. You pray for them, you love on them, you bring them out to eat, you do everything you need to do. And all of a sudden, they're still hard-hearted. I, I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Don't pray about them. It's, there's nothing more. Now, I don't know. Every situation is different. I don't know who and, and how long. I don't know any of that. The Spirit of God will tell you that.
Proverbs 29.1 says, He who is often rebuked and hardens his neck will suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. Learn to rebuke you. And if in your home gets, gets off track where Jesus isn't being glorified and there's demons in a culture, an atmosphere of something that is not Christ-like happens in your home, Daddy, they may think you crazy, but you need to, you need to you get up in the middle of your house you might need to anoint the doors with oil. I don't know what you need to do if you come from that persuasion back in the day. But you better stomp your foot and you're not yelling at your wife or your kids or nobody else, but you're, you're taking authority over demonic, the demonic realm and you better rebuke Satan. And if you're not spiritual, there's no restoration and there's no recovery and there's no revival. You're going to have to do that in your life. I'm going to tell you, love is the only thing that never fails. Keep yourself in the love of God, Peter. Keep yourself in the love of God, Peter. I know what you're feeling. Keep yourself in the love of God. People looking at Peter, keep yourself in the love of God. You'll discern the wrong way. You won't get it right. Only love will help you discern properly. 1 Corinthians 13, love suffers long and is kind. Let's read it together. Everyone out loud reading together, love suffers long. You are wearing me out. You're crazy. But I'm going to keep staying in this thing and love you until Christ is formed in you. I'm going to labor in birth, Paul said, until Christ is formed in you. Love suffers long and still remains what? keep reading. I'm messing y'all up. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. Does not behave. Uh-oh, dad. Does not seek its own. It's not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity. When people do wrong, you don't go, yeah. But rejoices in the truth. And when the truth wins out, it bears all things. Everybody believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never. I'm preaching a word to you in this season. Preaching to the remnant. Let me tell you what God thinks about you today and me today. And those of you who are walking in humility with him. Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord, your God in your midst. How many of you know God is with us? How many of you know God is with you? The Lord, your God, is in your midst. A mighty one will what? He will save. He will Rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Never forget it. Peter, you don't surprise me. I'm singing over you, boy. Peter, you deny me. I'm bigger. This is bigger than my emotions and the rejection that I feel. I'm rejoicing over you with singing, Peter. The most profound dream I've ever had in my entire life, I've only had about six or seven, that I knew that I knew that I knew was from God. There was someone that was pregnant. This lady was pregnant, and 
And, and, and there was this, this other person in, in, in the situation, in the scene. And it was a lady, and she was tender. She was speaking softly. And she was praying over the one that was pregnant. And she said, pray. Sometimes I have to go in and take the baby. Somebody pray. You know, the Bible says, talks about over and over how Christ is formed in you and you labor in birth. And then this, this whole scene, this picture in your life, when God puts inside of you kingdom and God puts inside of you Jesus, and it's not, you, you don't give birth to it yet. It's a process. And there's labor pains. There's a lot of things going on in your life. And she said, sometimes I have to take the baby. I don't know how many times in my 30 years I've seen people that I know a genuine work of God was going on in their life, and all of a sudden the baby got took. They went off in a different direction. That lady was the Holy Spirit the Lord revealed to me. And the baby was taken. I hate to say it this way, but in the dream, the baby was dismembered and taken. It was taken apart, dismantled, and taken away. And this phrase haunts me to this day, not haunts me, provokes me, maybe haunts me. That's why I was so passionate last week about that young pastor. Listen, he said, she said in the dream, all I needed was somebody to sing over it. All I needed was somebody to sing over it. Not curse it. Not criticize it. Not avoid it. I needed somebody to, to, to get heaven's vision over that situation. I needed somebody to sing over it. And here's the reality. I found no vessel. I found nobody spiritual. I found nobody who would work with me. I found nobody who would sing over that life, and I had to take the baby. That's profound. If you even remotely understand something that I said today in this revelation that I'm giving, I want you to come out of your seat and stand. Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't you lie right now. I'm not trying to embarrass anybody. What I'm trying to do is take a remnant and present it before the Lord and say, God, what we don't see, help us see. Where we fail, God, don't let us fail again. But Lord, from here on out, we want to work with you. We want to be a vessel in my home, in my friendships, in my church. In the community, I want to work with you. Holy Spirit, lead me and use me. I don't want to be used by the enemy. If that's you in this place and you're a remnant believer and you understand what I'm saying, would you step out of your seat as we face our church year in March 1 and say, Lord, do a work in me. I don't get this. I'm not even, I wasn't even aware of what Pastor Kevin's preaching today. That's not even on my radar. Oh my God, please help me. I don't see it in my own heart. I haven't umpired and refereed anything. 
I hadn't blown any whistles, thrown any flags. I'm just letting the devil lie to me in so many ways. And my God, walk me out of this and lift my head and help me. I failed. And I don't want to fail no more. I'm just vulnerable enough to tell you this. I need you to pray for me. I need you to sing over me. I need you to love me. And I know you need me to love you. When you walk out that building, you you don't need your pastor to go. Love, love brings the kingdom. Loving one another brings the transference of what God has in me to you and, and what's in you to me. Love is the only thing. And I want to tell you, in 30 years of ministry, I've been attacked four, five, six times, sometimes pretty significantly. And I want to tell you, it's not people that yield the earthen vessels and yield and that kind of stuff that really rocks my world. It really isn't. It hurts. It, I got to battle through that. Let me tell you what really makes my hands come down is when you don't understand what's happening. When I have somebody come in the foyer and look at me like I'm, I got stain on me or something, like you used to love me and you appreciated me and you, you just projected your heart toward me and now you don't even speak, you don't even come and talk to me. Please learn, guys. Learn what's going on between you and your spouse and she's this and she's that and she's this and he's that and he's that and all of a sudden this thing gets created and this reality comes to pass that didn't have to happen if somebody would just got out of that wrong vision and start speaking and loving and Your husband acts a fool when he gets afraid, doesn't he? And your wife acts a fool when she gets afraid, doesn't she? And my husband acts like a, just, he just, he's just so grouchy, bare, acts like a fool around the house and my kids are seeing, I'm sick and tired of it. I'm telling you, I'm sick and tired of it. I know. And I'm trying to do my best. I'm trying to make a living. I'm trying to go out there. The world's on me. I don't know what to do. And I come home, my wife just badgers me and badgers me and berates me and berates me. And da 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 Go ahead and live that life. Go ahead. And watch no kingdom come. Somebody's got to get smart. Somebody's got to get wise and go, you know what? My wife's acting that way because there's fear in her heart. My husband is acting that way because there's fear in his heart. And you know what? I'm not going to engage Satan trying to beat his brains out already. Even though he doesn't deserve it. Even though she doesn't deserve it. She's mouthing. She's talking back to me. Even though I'm so frustrated, I'm going to see a vision. Somebody say amen. And I'm going to love her until fear leaves her. And if I don't step up, I'll rebuke you. Get thee behind me, Satan. I know you want to do that, but that might need to be done in private. As you're taking authority over the demons that are trying to bring fear in her life. Come on, somebody. And fear my husband's life. I take authority over you. I lift his hands up. And all of a sudden, it's a journey. Things will start to change. I die a thousand deaths when I preach these messages. 
I know what time it is. But let me tell you, my job is to give you a word in its fullness. Amen. Carnal people can't endure that. I've been doing it for 30 years. I've had people say, hey, Pastor Kevin, thank you for that. I got texted, thank you for that, man. That changed my life. Da, 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 da. And all of a sudden, there's this other individual that's irritable and blah, 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 blah. Flesh will never get you to where you need to be. And if your flesh can hang out this long, God will say, listen, I'm going to leave Moses up on the mountain and I'm I'm, I'm going to leave you in in a position of silence until your flesh can no longer endure. And then only the spirit people, that's where I'm at in my life, only the spirit people, the remnant people can endure that. Somebody say amen. How many of you say, I'm, I'm a remnant or I want to be a remnant? Raise your hand high. God, I bless these precious people. With everything I am, Lord, I, I feel your heart. God, I sing over them, Father God. Lord Jesus, we sing over one another. Though we dis- disappoint one another, though we hurt one another, though we reject one another, right now we all go to another level and another vision and sing and bless each other in this place today. And you've been very patient. And I thank you for your hearing God's word today. I'm going to continue to pray for you. Pray for me. Pray for one another. You're dismissed. God bless you. We love you in the love of the Lord.